0: Join them as they talk about why it is always worthwhile to take care in business.
1: Hey, Vicky. Hey, Kathy.
2: How are you today? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm good. I miss hanging out with you and having a good meal and a bottle of wine. That's for
1: sure. I've had good meals and bottles of wine, but I haven't been able to hang out with you, and I definitely miss that as well.
2: Well, and other people, as you know, too. I mean, I've really been homebound with... My children and that's it so I, um, I just thought it'd be good to talk a little bit about how much we miss that because one of our um, well our guest today is Adam Vondosky and he too believes that enjoying food and wine is one of the greatest simple pleasures in life and that it can only be truly appreciated in the company of friends and family and so he created a company called Indianapolis Vine Society you heard of that
1: um, I Well, I have now, but I hadn't prior to us doing a pre-interview with Adam.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, he did it so he could create unforgettable shared experiences with food and wine, and it's anything from corporate gatherings to educational seminars and um, epic dinner parties. I love that, epic dinner <laughs> parties. So in short, the Vine Society is for everyone who loves wine. Connoisseurs can connect and network with other connoisseurs as well as mentor and coach novice members of the community. Um, for advanced wine lovers, wine society events are an opportunity to learn and build relationships with like-minded members. Now remember that word members because that that really intrigues me, um, as well as master sommeliers and certified wine specialists. And for the novice wine lover, Vine Society is like attending a social wine college where they can acquire knowledge and confidence about wine in an approachable, intimate, and community-based setting. And all Vine Society programs are led by a master sommelier and or resident sommelier so that every member can benefit from remarkable experts who are passionate about educating and sharing their craft. And then once you attend just one event, whether it's the... um, corporate gathering or an educational seminar or one of those epic dinner parties, you're a lifelong member. And so I have some questions about this lifetime membership for Adam, so why don't we just get started? That sounds great. Adam, how are you today? Hi. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful
0: sunny day in the midst of uh, you know, what we're all dealing with, but I think all things considered, uh, we're doing very well. How about you guys?
2: Yeah, we're. I think we're well. We're we're separate too. We're like in different houses, and you're. In, I mean, we can't even look at you. It's it's a different world right now.
0: Everything has changed, right?
1: Yes, <laughs> it has. And one thing that has changed since our pre-interview is alcohol sales and wine sales. When we did our pre-interview, like thirty days ago or whenever it was probably that no, was probably before that, um, the wine sales were down.
2: Um, at, have you seen an increase
1: in sales, or how do you feel like COVID is really impacting your industry?
0: Yeah, it, you cut out just a little bit, but I think I got the question of uh, how have we seen uh, wine sales impacted by this. And, um, you know, industry-wise, you know, the numbers are pretty, uh, pretty dramatic. Uh, I mean, multiple hundred percent increase uh, week over week from, you know, during the immediate, uh, you know, aftermath, if you will. Uh, there's some debate around is this kind of stockpiling and will we, so to some extent we don't, we don't know precisely what, what uh near or, or medium term impact this is going to have, but, but they're definitely, you know, they spike just like meat and eggs and everything else. Um, and it's funny, my, my sister lives in uh, outside of Boulder, Colorado, and apparently uh, Denver uh, had Announced that they were they were going to be closing like liquor stores and and so there was a massive like you know hu- lines hundred people deep this you know prohibition of Denver and I guess they lifted it within a day but uh, it's it's kind of funny <laughs> to uh, to oh, to hear stories like that but uh, we certainly saw some increase I mean not not uh, not dramatic and wild but uh, but yeah p- people are people are definitely drinking a little bit more now than than they were before this.
2: I think I read that it that liquor sales
0: are up fifty percent. Yeah, I mean, we've seen uh, we've seen numbers even higher than that, and, and, and liquor was leading the way uh, with you know beer and wine behind it. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's, an, it's an interesting stat. You know, obviously it has uh, some some positive and negative uh, connotations to it. But
1: so, Adam, how has um, you know so much a part of what you guys do at Vine Society is really around the art of gathering. Um, has I would imagine this has had some impact on um, those types of activities, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, we, you could probably lump us in with um, probably the industry's most affected, frankly, uh, because, you know, the, the entire event slate, you know, just immediately um, wiped away. Um, we, we, we do have a little bit of a – there's m- multiple components, but certainly the, the, the event component is really the core of our business. Um, and we've seen, you know, the, the vast majority be um, rescheduled, but yet it's going to be really interesting to see what the fall looks like Is everyone's basically trying to pack everything in uh, to, to the fall months. And, of course, there's discussions around, you know, second waves and all these other, these other factors. But, um, yeah, th- w- what's really interesting is just this past week, like literally, you know, the, the week before this one, um, I had a, a pretty amazing amount of rec- – out of the blue, request to do a virtual education tasting experience, um, and so we've we've got two scheduled now booked, and I I think probably by the end of this week that it'll be it'll be between six and ten, um, just for clients that have themselves seen their their events just blow up. So I, I'm really really intrigued to see where this is going to go, um, whether it's. Just a short-term blip, or if you know, we've all kind of realized the pleasure that is available, in, even in a virtual experience. Um, I don't know. I mean, so I, I'm excited about it. see where it goes. I think um, you know, it's actually increased our reach even nationally. And you know, we're, we're we're doing an event um, for a company that's got clients all over the country, and um, so it's again really excited about it.
2: So how do you do that if um if you're if you're having them taste
0: wines? So we're getting everybody the, the same wine. Um, we're starting about two weeks out from the event and, you know, getting, getting the wine in everybody's hands. And then, so then we'll, we'll all go through it together. Open oh, it up that's together. so cool. Um, yeah. So we're at, we're starting out with our wine club um, in th- next week, actually. So all of our wine club members will have the opportunity to um, enjoy the wines virtually together. And I'll be able to share uh, cause we, we had been doing that live, you know, um, once a month. And so we're just bringing that online and um, I'm excited about that part, actually.
2: So explain how that works. um, You have an event, whether it's, you know, a group of people from work or friends or whatever, and then they taste the wines and then they can become also part of this uh, wine club and that's the membership. Can you just explain that to our listeners?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, For any of your listeners that maybe they've even been to an event, Um, We have events that oftentimes we're, we're serving a client. So let's let's say it's, you know, just a business that's either entertaining some prospects clients could be internal. There's a million different, different uses for that. We also have just some general open vine society events where people can come and they'll enjoy um, a a chef, uh, a local chef prepared meal paired up with, with the wines that, that we select. And so, nine times out of ten there's an opportunity to purchase those wines um and so then we also have a program where um i'm picking out three different wines every month and like our events it's meant to be kind of a discovery educational experience to where i mean one of the most common things i hear is you know i, I love wine you know but i walk into whether it's my grocery store or or whatever store you're buying and it's like i just see all these options and i usually just kind of gravitate towards the the one or two things that i really know that i like um because there's just this there's just Mm -hmm. this overwhelming paradox of choice right and options and so Mm -hmm. our goal is just kind of position ourselves as a guide and say hey here's some here's some certified sommeliers that can they can tell you that the the wine is good and you know here's information about the grape where it's grown who who produced it and so, you know, it's, it's a way to kind of make the, the massive wine world a little bit smaller. And then we've, we've added the, the community component where there's a whole range of, you know, really big time, serious wine collectors down to, you know, someone that just really loves opening up a, a rosé on a sunny day. Like there's really a pretty wide knowledge base and interest level in wine. because like in your introduction uh, described, like it's, It's really more about the conviviality of of the experience um, and and what happens around the table.
1: One of the things that I find really interesting about what you guys do is that you really have a target on businesses and using these events to um, help with team building as well as just relationship building with customers. Can you tell us a little bit about how that really came to me? Because that is kind of a different model, at least different than what I know of in terms of wine experiences.
0: Um so the 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 question was uh was it how it got started or more just like how that model works within uh the business development context.
1: Yeah, how that model works within the business development con- construct.
0: Yeah, I I think that for anyone that's gone to a charity gala fundraiser or you know any type of of organizational or corporate sponsored event like you know we can we can joke about how about about the rubber chicken and maybe how boring it can be there's obviously great examples of people doing really amazing jobs and you guys probably even know more about that on the non-profit side but i think that from a from a i spent 10 years in in a corporate business development role and it gets tiring i mean there's there's a, there's a lot of different things you have options to go to and they all kind of look the same and i was actually just having a conversation um with the a colleague of mine in the banking community. And he was, he was sharing, this is before Vine he got started. He was just sharing how these events that they do, it's, they're kind of the same ones every year. They're on the calendar. Um, and the, people weren't coming to them and, and the, with the same you know level of attendance. And so I asked them, you know, w- what types of things that you're doing? And I, and I won't, I won't mention names, but it's just, just very standard things. Maybe the same restaurants, the same type of thing. And so I said, Hey, how about this idea? Cause I had, Come back from Italy with my wife, and around my birthday, we had this, this really great wine that we were really excited about. And so I had one of my friends who's a great chef come, and um, he made a seven-course Italian meal. We paired it up with the wine. We just kind of shared our experience, and like, people still talk about that. This was like eight or ten years ago now. Um, and so I just shared with him this idea of, hey, what if he did something like this? And so we, we we did an event together. This was, you know, again, before it was even really officially a company. And they said it was the single best feedback they'd ever gotten from an event in, like, the 30-year history of their office in Indianapolis. And so we had the uh, same, same format, seven courses, seven wines, an around-the-world theme. So that kind of launched this, this model, really. I, I had a sense it could be a business, but... Really, the, 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 it just brings a level of intentionality, I think, to the same exact thing. Like, it's a little bit longer, but not not crazy longer. But um, as I've gone deeper into it a well, as well, you get these opportunities to really curate the conversation. Because you're not just kind of waiting for your entree to come within 30 minutes. and You kind of you need a nap afterwards. Like, you're always anticipating the next course. I think it really brings people uh, into the present moment into into what's happening at the table, uh, and so that for mm-hmm. business development, it's been great to people are looking for that quality face time, um, and so this really is is designed around creating that quality face time and, and the opportunity to just be ushered into a, a deeper experience than than what we we just naturally do, of course, kind of thrown into a room. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you sold me. I really, <laughs> really think since last talking to you and just hearing that. I I think it'd be super fun for our – I always do a different kind of Christmas party. You know, there's a dozen-ish of us, give or take a few, um, depending on kind of the, the year. Um, but I always do a different Christmas party, you know, and it's hard to think of something new every year. So I think next year – I like the seven-course idea. That sounds really – I would imagine it works well with that number of people, probably not very many more than a dozen, right?
0: In terms of people?
2: Yeah, yeah, a number of people. You wouldn't want more than probably,
0: I don't know, I would say 12 or so. Yeah, I think for a single group, um, there's actually an interesting concept out there called a Jeffersonian dinner, which I think some of your nonprofit clients would love to hear about. But um, Thomas Jefferson, while president, was kind of famous for hosting these dinners where if you've seen Downton Abbey, it's more like, one conversation happening instead of like me talking to my neighbor, and and he was always the moderator of that, and mm-hmm. would have he would set a topic and kind of invite luminaries, and he, he capped it out. I believe he capped it at fourteen. Uh, there's some mm. interesting uh, notes on like some of his journals around this, but he was also a francophile, so loved French food and wine because he is former ambassador to France. But when we've done this in corporate settings, we like to just manage the ratio, so. If you have a company that has maybe three or four different representatives, then we'll make sure that there's no more than maybe six people or so to each representative. So, you, you know, we've done events in the hundred, not hundreds, but more than a hundred. And it's just about making sure that you can make a large gathering uh, more intimate and, and by just segmenting out into those different groups. But, yeah, if you're doing it at your house or somewhere else or it's just a single group, you know, I'd say eight to 12 is probably your sweet spot.
2: What kind of impact have you seen come out of these gatherings? Has, has you know, any uh, companies that you've worked with, you know, had told you about how it changed them or made them go in a different direction with
0: internal communication? Just, you know, anything that's come out of them. The first one that comes to mind, I mean, I, I can think of it really in three different buckets in terms of a more for-profit, nonprofit, and maybe personal. But on the nonprofit side, you know, we, we did a, um, there's actually there's about 30 people, but it was tables of, of six to eight, and it was a charity with their uh, key supporters, board members, and, and key donors, and so we had three questions planned during the dinner, and actually never got past the first one, and not not for any any negative reason, but the, but the question was just to, because there were some staff members too. The question was share the share a story about you know why you support our organization, whether it's an employer. And and so, I mean, there wasn't a dry eye in the room and and people were sharing stories um, that were just touching this particular charity. I'm thinking of supports and women that are in a uh, it's in troubled situations um, domestically. Um, And so one of the, the the, uh, development director mentioned the following week that um, one of one of her donors, who was at her table, he, I think it was, it was an older gentleman. He went last, and he said, you know, I, I supported this charity because I'm, I am a, I'm, a, I'm a conservative pro-life Republican, and you, you guys are, are, are doing that. Uh, he said, but I had no idea just all the types of things that you guys would do. I just, I just was oblivious to this. And so apparently, I don't know the number, but he made a, a very sizable donation following that and it wasn't explicitly designed to be a fundraiser but i think that naturally once you once you connect hearts and minds to the mission that, that, that's a, that's a natural overflow um uh, so that, that that's one i think that um re- really powerful outcome from something like this
2: yeah no that is that's i can i can see that happening it's hard when you're at the usual type of fundraisers when you're at a table of Eight or ten people, and you may know one or two of the people at the table ahead of time.
0: Right, you
2: know, to really enter into any kind of a deep conversation.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it is. I, I'm a bit of a philosopher at heart, and so I, I I'm one that I find too much small talk. To, I, it's just not my thing. And other people are, are different than than that. Uh, but I, I love the opportunity to go deep with, particularly with friends and family. Uh, but I think that there's certainly some of us that are craving more of that, and I think what's so interesting about this, this current situation we're in is that we had been tracking the loneliness epidemic before all this happened. The former Surgeon General under President Obama, he actually has a book coming out this month. It may be out, actually. It's within days that with his time as a physician, uh, 30-some-year career, uh, he, he believed that the number one pathology or, you know, basically disease facing in our country was not diabetes or heart disease or any of the other things we think of. you said it was loneliness. And when I first read that about three years ago, it just, it completely shocked me. It's like, it didn't even compute. But um, what's interesting is the way they define loneliness is, is not necessarily what we're experiencing today in, in the sense of social isolation, although that is one of them. It's just this, it's a, it's a lack of, of connection. So you can be lonely in New York city because right, you, you just don't feel um that emotional bond connection with, with um, your fellow friend, human being, what have you? But I think that we had we had been seeing this this, especially in like the millennial and, and Gen Z. The research bears out that um, that that's, that's that's missing, that's lacking. So I think everyone now really can feel like you can we can we're all going to have a uh, very real memory of what this felt like, this, what this in our bodies. And there's there's a whole band of research around that as well. And so I think that, left well, to our own devices, I think there's a hesitancy to be vulnerable. There's a hesitancy to dive deep, particularly if you don't feel safe, right, in a setting where you don't you don't know everybody. And so if we if we all if we just stay there, then I think there's there's just there's this dearth of, uh, of of connection and an emotional um, connection to our uh, friends, community, et cetera, That that's just it's lacking. And so I think we just got to create a context for that in a safe place, safe way. Uh, but we need some of that mixed in with some of the more, you know, um, small talk type situations.
1: So one of the things that we always ask our guests is if, if they were interested and if you had to give some advice about how to use your business as a force for good, what um, what advice would you give them, Adam?
0: You know, I think that what's what's been on my mind most recently, which I, which I think would, is the same answer I might have given before this, but I think there's a – there's a temptation to compartmentalize our life um, in general. So whether that's your spiritual life, your family life, your physical, your segment, your work life from your uh, personal life, all these, all these different buckets. And I think that um, there's, there's a huge opportunity in general to integrate those things. So I, I, I think business, you know, is, there's a there's a massive potential. I mean, the whole point of your of your podcast and your and your your doing good mentality. I think that it it it, it hits on that. So I think that if we think about this connection piece, like the Surgeon General was was calling on businesses. I mean, it was, it was originally in the Harvard Business Review. He was calling on businesses to to really take the mantle of creating just genuine social connection amongst their employees. Um, so I think you, you can think about it internally that way that, yes, whatever – let's say my company makes widgets or whatever. It could be the simplest business in the world, but you can do it in such a way where you're moving at such a pace that you lose that, that opportunity, I think, to just connect with, uh, with another human being. And if you have a large company you have – there's all these silos that already exist within your company. So breaking down some of those walls and I think valuing that human connection for its own sake. Which again, I think all of us are going to walk away from this with a brand new perspective on on that reality. I think so that you can think about this even with customers and with industry partners, right? So, like, so let's create a context to actually take the just take the time, it's, and it's not a ton of time, but just take a little bit of time um, to create that connection for its own sake. And, and I think you'll find that the the outcomes that you were looking for, whether it was fundraising, whether it was cohesiveness, and your like all these different things, I think will come as a result of this. That's kind of what's on my mind uh, at at this particular time on that. Yeah, I hope that people will, you know, take this
2: time and just be better after. It's hard to imagine when there's, you know, like you said, there's a day of loneliness or frustration or just, you know, all the different negative emotions we're feeling. But I hope that that will come out of it. And we'll, you know, I read this great article that that specifically talked about this to take stock and what, you know, what you could get by with, what you absolutely couldn't get by, you know, without, and just kind of have a new, new path forward. And, you know, my kids are all home right now. And we talked about this every night at dinner, you know, what did you learn today? Or we'll like pose a big philosophical question. So we're kind of having our own little gatherings, but we're not, we're not having lots of wine,
0: unfortunately,
2: but, um, but we are, you know, taking stock, and I would imagine that the conversations that you'll have when they, whether they're Zoom or live, will center
0: around this for a long time to come. Yeah, you're right. I've, I've had some friends that have children in the like teenage, which I don't know how old your kids are, but they're they're calling this their 9/11. Right, this is that thing we're going to mm-hmm. look back on, um, and we're all going to be different from this. Yeah, and hopefully we'll be better. You know. Yeah, That's I think like help. any crisis, it, it reveals right it it reveals character and it, what's what's really in you um and i think that you know there are plenty that are suffering badly from this um and you know there's actually a, a project we started just in the last two weeks of the hospitality industry it you know, was big time decimated and so Uh, Jay Hyatt, the Shepherd Community Center, uh, I was connected with him, and and food was their number one problem. Like, there was such a shock in the food supply chain. Like, they literally could not get food. They had to uh, have a Safeway in Detroit, bring down food, which totally blows my mind. Uh, But, you know, second helpings and gleaners were totally overrun. So, uh, we're actually, our chefs are are actually producing about 2,000 meals a week out of Shepherd's Kitchen and one of our other chef's kitchens and just giving them to those that are most vulnerable. And that's something that, you know, for me personally, like at at first I was a little bit hands off on it a bit, you know, just helping, but not like really diving in. But I think it's, uh, it's been a great thing to just, I think, act, there's such a spirit of fear, I think that's predominant. So just, just acting in the opposite way with generosity um, has been a really fruitful thing for me. Um, And it's not, it wasn't necessarily where my head was at totally beforehand and, uh, but it is now, and so I'm, I'm hoping I keep that with me as uh, as this thing continues to go, progress.
1: Adam, how can people find out more about Vine
0: Society? i would start with our website. It's, uh, it's vinesocietyindy.com, um, so vinesocietyindy.com. Um, we, unfortunately, aren't going to have any events for you to attend uh, in the near term, but um, you know, I, I, for any of your listeners, I mean, just send me an email, um, adam at, at com. I'll invite you to our, our member um, virtual event. Uh, that's the only way you'd hear about them right now. But, um, yeah, so start there, peruse the site, and uh, reach out if you have any questions.
2: Awesome. Well, this has been a pleasure. I It really has been. It's been nice to have a little conversation about what we're all missing and um and i'm glad that you found a way to do some zoom gatherings for for people that's a great idea in the
0: meantime anyway <laughs> yeah yeah well th- thank you guys for for the show and inviting me on and um i love the message so um, keep keep doing what you're doing
1: so one of our earliest guests Vicky, was matthew feltrop of the patitude foundation you remember matthew Oh, I love Matthew. I know. He's awesome, isn't he? Well, um, he has been crazy busy, and the Pettichoux Foundation has been so busy during um, this coronavirus response. You will remember that they provide, the Pettichoux Foundation provides healthy meals for kids in school, and um, generally, they serve 2,000. After-school meals at eight Indianapolis schools each week. So, with the um, preponderance of layoffs and the schools being closed, they've really had to shift their um, the way they are delivering services. What they're doing is um, they are creating wholesome, reheatable meals and distributing them through neighborhood-based partners. So, you, you know, this this crisis is really highlighted how integral the school system is in terms of our hunger relief efforts and community and safety net. And I certainly hope that when all this is over, perhaps some of our officials will take a look at, you know, how critical those needs are and maybe make some changes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I love what they're doing. And I'm not surprised. Patichoux and the Patichoux Foundation um, they've always put the community at the forefront of everything they do.
1: Yes. No, and, of course, the Patissue restaurants are closed. I think they are still doing some carry out in some of their um, restaurants, but I know they also, too, set up a peer fund, P-E-E-R. I'm not exactly sure what it's for, but I think um, the profits from – some of the, uh, or from all of the meals that were served carryout go to this fund to help their employees. So, they are certainly continuing to take care and community and we're grateful to
2: them. Let's give a big thank you to our sound engineer, Matt Soce, and our Taking Care and Community sponsor, National Bank of Indianapolis. If you'd like to nominate someone or an organization for a future episode, you can visit our website, Taking care in business.com.
1: Don't forget to subscribe, follow, or download Taking Care in Business wherever you get our podcasts. If you love taking care in business, give us a five star rating and leave a review or share this episode on your social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Taking Care in Biz. B-I-Z. If you have questions or comments, you can also email us at infotakingcareinbusiness.com. At Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, take take care care in in business. business.